0: Welcome back to Parenting is Political. This is Mo, and this week I had the joy of sitting down with Danielle Slaughter from Mama Dimmicks, and we discussed a lot of different topics. And it's our first uh, interview episode of season two, which I'm really excited about. I'm excited for y'all to listen to it. Just some background on who Danielle is so that we have some context for our conversation. She is a doctoral student in the rhetoric and composition program at Georgia State University. She is a Detroit native and currently resides in Atlanta with her husband, their two kiddos, and their pet turtle. Danielle is passionate about the intersections of parenting and social justice. And she shares those experiences of navigating motherhood and her place in the academy on her website, mamadimics.com. This is a fantastic episode, we covered a lot of topics, and just like in our episode on Fear of Conflict, if you haven't listened to it, you can go and find that um, wherever you listen to podcasts, we talk about how her very existence um, as a black mom living in this world is resistance. And I'm really excited for y'all to hear about Danielle's experience, and um, yeah, I don't want to delay the episode any further, so we're just going to jump right to it. I hope y'all enjoy. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Hi. How are you today?
1: I'm doing
0: well. What about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We were just chatting about how August just went down for a nap, so there will be no baby sounds in this podcast, which is always sad, but it's like less stressful, you know? We're going to hope for
1: the best with mine. Mine just woke up from a nap, so we'll hope
0: for the best. We will. And it's all right, because as we always say on the podcast, we normalize parenting, and a part of parenting is that, like, our kids actually exist. And so if there's kid noises in the background, it's totally acceptable and fine. And we just are trying to normalize that. So, um, Danielle, let's start with, let's just talk about, let's just, like, get let the people get to know you. Um, okay. What Who is in your family and how is it formed and what's that journey been like for you?
1: Um, So, there's me, my husband, and our two sons, or one of them identifies as our son, and the other has not told us yet.
0: (laughs) Just a little um, baby, right?
1: Yes. He'll be two at the end of the month. Um, We, let's see, we met in Atlanta, got married in Atlanta. (laughs) Um, We've been married almost eight years, and...
0: Yeah. Nice. What are some of the things that y'all do as a family that are like your favorites or like regular fun memories that you have of all y'all together?
1: Um, we take road trips every year, and we're currently in Chicago because we just drove up from Atlanta to Chicago. So we always do a Midwest road trip. We usually go to Detroit and Chicago. This year, we're only going to Chicago. Um, nice. And that's always fun. The kids love, like, Asking us, are we there yet? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But they also love getting um, to see their grandparents and their cousins. And um, what mommy's going to pack for them to play with while we're there. That's always an adventure. Um, And movie nights. We're really big on uh, Marvel movies. So we do movies and I'll make popcorn on the stove, not in the microwave. That's like a huge deal when I make popcorn.
0: That's, that's awesome i love that and y'all are big Harry potter fans correct
1: i am oh you I are to him, yes but my husband's a star wars fan our older son seems to be falling down the star wars oh
0: man we lost right him into.
1: but i'm hoping i'll win the baby over the baby's birthday is Harry's birthday
0: so oh come on it's like, I feel like destined i
1: feel like i could win that like,
0: yeah we'll see we'll for see. sure cool well thanks for sharing um one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, other than, like, you're just fantastic, and I wanted to just, like, chat with you, um, was that you run something, and you've started something called Mama and the Mix, correct? Yes. Um, what inspired you to start that, and what is it, and um, how have you just kind of seen that develop over the start of it to what it is now?
1: Um so MomAdemic started off as just a place for me to talk about what it was like to become a parent while um, attending graduate school. I didn't have any grad school friends who were currently pregnant. Um, those who had children, their children were much older when they started grad school, so it was just a new adventure for me. Um, and it has grown into something that I had no idea would happen. <laughs> um, it's become a space that's More or less my journal and more of me um, trying to build community with other parents who are. I like to say that we're raising ourselves so that we can raise better children. um, And unlearning bad habits or not bad habits, unlearning bad ideals that we were raised with. And kind of that whole like, when you know better, you do better. And so we're all working to do better together.
0: Nice. Speaking of being raised... And unlearning some things, I think we got a few things in common. Is that what I hear? Uh huh. So I was raised. I'll speak of my experience, and I'll ask about yours. I was raised um, Southern Baptist, very conservative. Yeah. Uh Um, My dad was a deacon in the church, and my mom was like the head of all like the women's Bible studies. I like I led worship for several years with my acoustic guitar. And my Chaco sandals. <laughs> I went to all the Bible camps and all that stuff. Um, so it was really difficult for me whenever, obviously, you know, when I came out. And um, it was hard that that transition and that rejection and that transformation that takes place whenever you um, experience something like that. But on top of that, even if that wasn't part of my story, there's uh-huh. just so much to unpack and unlearn. Um and you were raised similarly. Is that correct? Yes. Different denomination. Um, what you were raised? What?
1: I was raised Pentecostal. Yeah. So a lot of my friends say that Black Pentecostals are similar to Southern Baptists, <laughs> especially in the Midwest. Um, I it was very patriarchal. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely super homophobic. Yeah. So uh, having to unlearn so much of that. Um. just oh we had like this strict dress code I wasn't allowed to wear jewelry or makeup I couldn't cut my hair I had to wear like dresses that were at least past my knee but our church really wanted us the girls to have their dresses at their ankles modesty was like a huge deal Um. yeah it was that a lot. that's
0: a lot. That's so much. It Man. was a lot.
1: It was a
0: lot. There's yeah. um so, there we used to have like a they would bring out the measuring tape and if our skirts were like two inches above our knees, they would send us home to change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's wild. Oh
1: yeah. If there were like splits in our dresses, someone would like pin it with a, a bobby pin, like oh, if it was gosh. split. Or not a bobby pin, a safety pin. My mom often sold them um up. We could not, I said that we couldn't wear pants, right? Yeah. Couldn't wear pants or shorts or um, when I was growing up, and I know this has changed a little, we weren't allowed to go to the movies or bowling or listen to secular music. It was just very much, um, I I wouldn't say that it was like a cult, but like if you, like the only thing stopping us probably from being a cult is that we didn't like live on a, All live together in a reservation or something, right? And not just like, and that's not not to say a negative space because some of the feminist ideals I learned, although I didn't know at the time, I actually learned them from my childhood pastor.
0: Oh Um, wow! Can we talk about some of those? Like, what are some of those things that you remember?
1: So, um, for me, he was always big on like everyone knowing how to cook and not just the girls. And so, when we would all go out to his house, he would, like, grill, and he would do, like, the grilling, and the women might make the sides and stuff like that, but we saw that. Um, While we were raised that, oh, like, you should make your husband's plate and things like that, when we were younger, he always made sure the guys knew that the girls needed to eat first. It was never, like, you know, like, y'all go before the girls or anything like that. Um, It was, like, elders and children, but, like, the women should be eating first, you know. Um... He, he just did things that now, like, now when I, I think about where I found this version of what I wanted for my children to have a dad, I I pictured him somewhat, um, like, he was very active in his kids' lives, it wasn't like his wife just did, like, all the shuttling back and forth, even with, like, children who weren't his, like, our, like my family, he would come to our um, school events and, like my college graduation, those kind of things. That's pretty cool. He was very much, like, I would say that he probably would have been a lot more progressive if we weren't part of a, um, if our church hadn't been part of a particular organization. And so he was trying not to ruffle those toes. I do know that before he passed away and before or after I left the church, he left the organization. Mm -hmm. So he, like, removed our church from the organization.
0: Dang, that's wild. I think that's a yeah. good reminder though that like you can't throw what was that expression, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh-huh. Like there's still so much like good things and like ethics kinda of, that I've I've kept and that, you know, I've learned even though a lot of it was like really messed up. But <laughs> like that's that's a really good reminder. I think it's it's easy to like just to harsh on it and like yeah. you know, just to dismiss it. But there's I mean, there's a lot of folks who um you know have have a deep faith and are still like Mm -hmm. doing radical awesome Mm -hmm. work and like for me as someone who has like deep trauma from like church and religious organizations that's hard for me to understand that but I'm like open to it and I love having conversations with folks that like expands my idea around that so I'm glad that we got Yeah. yeah how has it been like your transformation so like you you were raised in this environment and then you've just been like living life. And now that you are a parent yourself, um, like what was that process like for you of having to like unlearn that and pick out those pieces that you wanted to pass on to your kiddos and then like not wanting to pass on definitely certain things about it. Like what does that process look like for you?
1: So I think the biggest part of the process is um, partnering with someone else who who was raised similarly or at least raised in in a faith um Mm -hmm. and had left the church as well and knowing that we wanted our children to understand the importance of community and the importance of like like all these great things or memories we have of church um Mm -hmm. like spending time with our friends and um just this bonding and this feeling of having someone there for you when you're going through hard times and so building like finding a way to build community in that regard um and also just just having to learn to be honest with myself about the harmful ways the church impacted me and totally. I think that like it's I've slowly started to do that to do that but I think for the most part it has it's impacted me more so within um I'd say in my marriage because I struggle a lot with the patriarchal aspects of certain things. I struggle a lot with being comfortable um, in my body, and um, from a and just being sensual. Like I don't like that sex is just so taboo when you grow up in these conservative spaces. Yes, that that's probably been the hardest thing for me um, is to be comfortable. In, in that regard, in my relationship, but not with parenting, I think, because I saw other examples of what it could be like, um, that you could let your kids do things. You know, I had friends outside the church. I went to Upward Bound in the summer, so I knew things that other people who went to um, my church might not have experienced. Um, I went away to college. I didn't live at home for college, so that really helped. And... Um, just being open yeah o- open to the ideas of other people and and I don't know if I don't know if you can unlearn something. of that it's not like no it, it's like it might just be a personality trait like my yeah. mother says that she's not surprised at how liberal I am as a parent or how much my worldview has changed because I was always the kid who just was asked so many questions and I just be like but what about those people like this <laughs> yeah for real
0: well that's um, probably that virgo in you too though danielle
1: it <laughs> wasn't like a huge shock yeah so i don't think like, it was a huge shock to anybody that i kind of did a 180 from how i was raised yeah they just like i always was like this doesn't make sense i'm gonna follow the rules because these are the rules and there's yeah. people in charge of me but when i can make the rules,
0: <laughs> this is how i'm gonna do it Yeah, I love that, um, that you touched on that, like, that aspect of it about, you know, sensuality and, like, modesty Uh means purity, and it's, like, this, this opposing belief of, like, the virgin and the whore and, like, how that Uh relates to motherhood, especially, like, as a black mom, um, Uh and that's just, like, there's so many layers there, and I think so often those of us who, you know, were raised as, as we were raised, um, feel really awkward about sex about talking about sex and whenever you have kids i mean they ask about it and if you're not having those conversations with them they're going to have those conversations with other people or they're just going to receive the main messages that are in society which are like uh-huh. really deeply rooted in homophobia and transphobia and like heteronormativity and all that all those uh-huh. things how is your older Uh, kiddo talking or asking about sex yet how have you navigated that and as you unpacked the things that you had to learn so that you could talk to your kids about it
1: so that was another thing that my mom did differently than most people in the church is i knew i understood my body at a very early age so like she was very open like she didn't hide her body from us she didn't um expect us to hide our bodies
0: nice
1: we uh, had a rule and i don't know if this kind of changed with my younger siblings but i know with me and my sister right under me she had a rule that if we didn't understand something of that was pertaining to sex or our bodies no matter what we could talk to her about it and she wouldn't be like upset or anything like that and <laughs> i don't know if i am ever told about this story publicly <laughs> but i remember one of my friends was getting married and I was in college, and so we went to, like, Lovers Lane or someplace to buy her a gift for her bridal shower. <laughs> and we were in there, and there was, like, this flavored lubricant. And I was like, what is this for? And I was still a virgin at the time, so I'm like, I have no idea what this is for. And so I, like, asked the guy that I was dating. I think I called him or I texted him, and he told me to buy it, and he would show me. Oh, shit. And it, like, something in my head because my mom used to always say that, like, that like a guy will just want to show you. He's gonna say show you like I'll tell you what it's for. And I called my mom and my friends were like going crazy in the store. They were like, Do not call your mother. Like she's gonna say we corrupted you. Oh my god. Oh, was, my like, god. I'm calling my mom because I want to know what this is. And like this guy is like, I'm just gonna tell, you know? Yes. <laughs> so I'm like 19 or 20. I just called my mom and she she told me what it's for. And I was like, Oh, nice, okay. And I didn't like it was like no big deal. Because about it. it was normalized, Even right? I, 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 hmm? Well, I mean she knew that like my friend was getting married. So yeah. she knew that context of it. But she was like, I'm glad you called me instead of just like doing I was like, Well, he told me he would show me and I just was like, No, nah, I need to <laughs> I'll call my mom. Um, and that kind of that kind of stuck with me. And I'm trying to keep that with my kids. So, so far, our older son has only asked us where babies come from. Okay. And we kind of explained it in the... He wanted the very generic way. He hasn't gotten to the, like, how did daddy actually fertilize his egg part? Yeah. Egg before. like, okay, whatever. And so whenever he asks questions, we kind of answer them. Um. But I do feel like we have gotten to an age where I need to have a clearer discussion with him just because... He's approaching second grade. Yeah. Um. Other kids know things already. Yeah, for <laughs> and are real. things, and I don't want him to feel like he has to hide those things from us. Um, but also I don't want him to get this language from some from other places. Totally. Um, I'd rather him hear it from us. So.
0: That's so good. Um. Well, we're gonna swing on back to to mama demics and the work that you're doing and. Um, we talk about, you know, a lot of a lot of time on this podcast about, like, how just being outside of the center of, like, what's considered normal or what's to be expected in society automatically puts you in, like, this others category. Um, and that's particularly true when it comes to, like, how you make your family and how you raise your kids and all those things. Um, you had an article that I really, really loved um, on your blog that that went viral and like I saw a lot of people sharing it That talked about you quitting online mommy groups. Um, so if you don't mind kind of, uh, like summarizing what that, that experience was about and, um, what led you to quit online mommy groups and, um, you know, kind of where you've moved on from there now that you're like no longer engaging with this kind of like harmful environment type of situation.
1: Um, to start off I was pregnant I was pregnant in hormonal so probably like really set me off um there was an incident in a local parents group and actually there were several incidents but I think for me what finally was like this is it um came about when parents posted pictures of the police coming to their kid's birthday party and like oh look this is so cute um they stopped by and wished him happy birthday and one of the kids pictured was biracial and I was just like I really don't like these pictures Yeah, much. I think one person I think one black mom might have commented and people started to attack her and finally I like spoke up mm-hmm. about it and it became this huge division within the group um, in terms of you know when you post things like that especially in the summer, that is not, you know, like our kids, police officers coming to our kids, it's triggering. Absolutely. It's triggering, it's harmful, you know. Those same police officers were probably rude to our child within the neighborhood (laughs) like two minutes ago. Yeah. You you know, it's, yeah. And it became this huge, huge issue. Um, And I just was like, I'm done. I'm done with y'all. Because at first, some moms were like, oh, well, let's all try to get together and learn from each other. And, you know, like we can facilitate and people can pay, you know, we'll pay or whatever. And, of course, I started to get tags on that because I was already doing Raising an Advocate at that point. Right. And initially I was like, okay. And then a few moms came in and were like, well, we'd like somebody outside the community who, like, everyone might feel more comfortable with, blah, blah, blah. And then I, like, lost it. I was like, you know what? I'm not sugarcoating things for you. If that's, like, the type of person you want, whatever. And so I wrote the blog post. um, And I never thought that that post would go viral. But it did. And I actually ended up with the literary agent because of that one.
0: Whoa, I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, that was the post. So she saw it. She asked me if I wanted a career in writing (laughs) or if I had considered that. Yes. and, yeah, it was a tricky time, though, because I just had to date. Well, I was still pregnant. Right. So I had to date to. pretty much right after I signed, which means my book proposal has been in progress for two years now. <laughs> That's so
0: real. <laughs> <laughs> There's no but, judgment.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I get it. I get that some people can crank theirs out, but that just isn't my, my yeah.
0: story. That's yeah. We were talking about um on our previous episode, the one we just released um on fear of open conflict about how just like existing uh-huh. is, is is uh radical. Like it's just it's yeah. you didn't do anything other than like yo this is my experience and it's way different. Uh-huh. And that just led to like all of these like white feelings and white fragility and white tears and you could be there you could be sitting there and be like i didn't do anything like i just said like this was my experience i disagree that like this is like cute and playful and it you know it blew up and so i just wanted to like highlight that story and if if our listeners haven't checked out that article it's definitely worth reading and definitely worth thinking over about how you know if our listeners are in you know like online spaces like that you know learning from what not to do and how to like you know, handle these situations a bit better, but I really appreciate you sharing your experience around that. Um, You had mentioned briefly, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, so I definitely want to make sure before the episode ends to um, talk about raising an advocate. I'm trying to get Uh a little bit more, like, practical and hands-on in the podcast for parents who are looking to really further their education. I think Jasmine and I talk a lot about, like, really, like, cerebral things and really macro-level ideas, and I... I'm really trying to bring it down to the micro, too, because a lot of listeners are like, well, what do we do with this information? How do we keep doing this? And so um, Raising an Advocate is a really fantastic resource, and I would love it if you could share a little bit about what it's about.
1: So Raising Advocate started as a blog series um, and turned into a class later, but it started as a blog series after, oh, after I wrote the post, Why White Moms Need to Care About Murdered Black Children. Oh, go read that one, too, (laughs) y'all. Which was actually the first post to go viral on Mama Dimmicks ever. Um, And it was right after Michael Brown was killed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was pretty much the answer. It was like, we don't know what to do. Can you help us? We will pay you type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first, I just made it a a blog series. And I just shared, you know, from my own experience, how I was reteaching myself. And for me, it became... You know, what I have to work on is relearning things based on patriarchy and homophobia and transphobia and, like, all these things that were ingrained in me as a child, um, but making sure I don't pass that on to my children and Absolutely. just kind of sharing that experience. And then it became a class that was more of, like, here's a reading list, here are some activities to kind of get yourself thinking, here are things you can do with your kids, Um But a lot of it for me is just, like, you have to live what you're reading. So Mm -hmm. you can read all the stuff, and you can learn all the theory, but you have to actively live that experience, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, Whether for me, you know, I have two two assigned, they've both been assigned as male. Um, And like I said, that is something that I'm still, like, I was so confused, like, do we call the baby they? And, you know, how do we... We navigate that experience and um, will it confuse our older son? You know, how all these things that people say, which I'll, I'll share that in a minute because you'll be so proud of him for that story. Yay. But um, he, so I, yeah, so I started the class and it's self paced. You take the class on your own time and turn you do the reading, you do the activities, um, and then you just go out and you try to live these things. And for me, living those things means buying my son's dolls, um, letting them, you know, letting them help me in the kitchen, not always doing every little thing for them that's domestic. So, like, they have to help me with their laundry. They, you know, like, we all are a team in the house. Um, And my husband obviously is very helpful with this because I know that your your partner can make it difficult, which has come up uh, quite a few times in our group is that partners aren't being as receptive to these changes. So, like, my husband is a neat freak and I am not. So <laughs> they see him clean more than, they probably more than they see me clean. But they see, like, him do the laundry and I fold. And so it's, like, this, this sharing of responsibilities um, and, and this push on my part to not always be the default parent. And it was hard for me and. Sometimes it's hard for them. Like, I'll just say, like, you have two parents. One parent is doing something right now. The other parent is not. Why are you bothering the parent who is doing something? Yeah. And, like, oh. and, and even just explain to them, daddy can fix you food. Like, you've seen him cook. If you want a snack, tell your... You know yeah, like, just, you just deconstructing those
0: gender, gender roles. Yeah.
1: De- deconstructing those gender roles, um reading, you know, stocking their bookshelves with books of families that are different from theirs. Um, But still being very mindful, especially for parents who are raising black and brown children, that in our house, blackness needs to be centered. So the first superhero toy I bought my son when he got into superheroes was a black superhero. I wanted that to be the first. The dolls are all black. Like, just Mm -hmm. making sure that at home, blackness is centered because when they leave this space, it's not um, making sure that you're prepared for those messages that they're going to get in other spaces um, and just kind of like just filling them up with with love as much as you can. Yeah. You want home to be this space that is loving and that is open to everyone and um, and that doesn't shy away from certain topics. So I my son I don't and I'm not 100% sure because the school hasn't said anything so it must not be his class but I do know that there are some trans children on at their school and the school goes from pre-k to 12th grade okay my husband is at the school he's told me about you know a transitioning middle schooler and how the school you know they were on it like how they were going to plan this out at the beginning of the year you know introducing the classmates to that um but I'd never thought about it for the younger kids. It had For some reason, it just did not click in my head. And I remember, like, when Rexton comes home and he goes, Mommy, you know, Sid is a boy right now. And he's my brother. But he might not always be a boy. And I was like, what? Like, and sometimes Rexton is, like, so meta that I'm like, is this one of these moments so when it's like, like, is this one of his moments when he's, like, thinking of his past life or something? Like, he always says these little, like, yeah out of nowhere and I was like uh okay and he was like well I do hope that he he stays a boy but I love him if he doesn't and I was like oh my gosh I yeah, love him so much would. Like I was just like okay you know like no big deal I didn't make it weird or anything and then he just walked away so I messaged one of the other first grade parents and I was like did I miss an email like what's happening because our community is pretty good because they want us to make sure that we're supporting you know, the other families, they want the children to, to feel supported and loved. And I'm like, let me make sure I didn't mess up something. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no. She's like, I think it's, like, second grade or something like that. It's not our kid's grade or their class or something. And she was like, yeah, it's definitely come up. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. But then also, like, he's very, like, this is this kid's name. Like, his Valentine's Day invitation. Teacher send you a list, right? Yeah. So I'm writing the names for him, you know, on here. And it said the kid's name was Samuel. So I wrote Samuel, but he had told me that it was Sam. So as he's going through, he sees that I wrote Samuel. And he's like, Mom, he yeah. wants to be called Sam. And oh. he out. <laughs> Dude, kids are the fucking best. They get it. But they get it. They get it. And I was like, wait, so is this the, like, I, in my head, I'm like, was, is this the trans kid? But then when mm-hmm. I met him, I'm like, no, he identifies as he. So, like. He was like, "It doesn't." My husband goes, "It doesn't matter. He's it, just acknowledging that the kid doesn't want people to call him Samuel. He yeah. wants them to call him Samuel. So just write Sam." Yes.
0: Like, like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it's the it's the adults that when we just that get yeah we just don't get it, and the kids are just so resilient and they're so fantastic. That's I really appreciate you sharing that story.
1: If you if you like listen to them though, like just yeah. listen and don't make it weird because my mom would always just like make the topic weird or yes. like avoid the subject and I just am like okay
0: I'm gonna listen normalize I'll like, normalize normalize.
1: he'll ask me a question if he has a question but if there's no question I'm just like oh okay that's interesting and then in my head I'm like why at like 35 am I sitting here thinking oh my gosh my kid won't understand like if we don't call him day, he's not gonna understand if his brother changes later and like Yep. You know, you totally
0: are. <laughs> oh, we always just overthink the most simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so real. Well, I like to end all of my interview podcasts by asking the question what makes parenting political for you, Danielle? Oh, what makes
1: parenting political for me? Parenting is political for me because. My, it's my like my life is political I don't get right. to uh, i don't get to live in a bubble um mm-hmm. when i go outside i'm a black woman choosing to be a parent means that i've chosen to to choosing to be a parent and to to have black children and children who are automatically seen as black there's no questions as um it's a revolutionary act am i wait a minute that's your buddy sydney Uh Is a revolutionary act, in my opinion, Um, because I brought these children into the world knowing that I was going to have to fight for them, and that they're going to have to fight for themselves eventually. So, that's why. That's why it's political. Hi, baby. Oh, my goodness.
0: Hi, sweetie. I wish that podcast listeners could see this cute little baby. Can you say hi? Hi! Oh my <clears throat> goodness, squishy, squishy, makes me want to so. go squish mine. Oh, well, yeah, oh. that's so real. Oh. Like,
1: mommy's almost done. Go ahead and play with your
0: other with your little present. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very. I love that answer. Is like parenting is political because my life is political. It's just, yeah. it's what we <laughs> talked about. Like your existence in and of itself, and your kids' existence in and of themselves, Like that's uh-huh. that's automatically resistance, and so I really love that. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, way to frame it. Um, well, I appreciate your time. Was there anything that you wanted to say or anything that you wanted to talk about before we ended it?
1: Uh, no, I do have a, a person to give you in case you want to, you're open to talking to someone who's a pastor. Ooh, okay. Very
0: Liberal that would be a very interesting episode. I, know I would. Does, yeah, so. we should do that. Um. All right. Where can our listeners follow you? You and your work. Just drop some I am Mama Demi's.
1: I am Mama, Mama Demi's <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah. And, and can the they? Website.
0: And can they sign up for raising an advocate on your website?
1: mm-hmm so yeah they can find it it's pretty accessible I think my website's pretty accessible okay, um cool. they can email me at momademics if they're looking for something and they can't find it I think I sent you the, the specific link for the classes
0: yeah you did cool well thank you so much um mm-hmm. and we will see y'all in the next episode Thanks for listening to our interview with Danielle Slaughter. I hope that y'all enjoyed all the links to her websites and where you can sign up for those Raising an Advocate classes will be in the show notes. Um, and if y'all are interested in becoming subscribers to Parenting is Political, you guys can sign up for our email so you never miss an episode. You can also sign up to support the show. Um, you can make one-time donations and you can also make uh, recurring payments as well. And as always if you have any questions or comments or you want you have topics that you want us to cover on our show you can email me at contact at org. and that's all I have for this week bye